Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today, you'll be listening to myself, Mark Hirons, and Shamilin Murugaya. During this episode, Shamilin shares his stories and transitional periods of his life uh, from university to changing different uh, agents. It's a really, really interesting episode. We learned a lot about agents and, and the pros and cons of agents and uh, just some fantastic advice when picking agents or looking for jobs. He also shares advice on doing work that you really love and want to do. So without further ado, this is episode 131 with Shamilin Murugaya. That's it. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Could you just tilt the screen down a little bit? I know you're leading the work as well, but there we go. That'd be great. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah, can we learn a bit more about you to start off with, uh, your context and give you your background uh, growing up and and finding illustration? Yeah, cool. Okay, just as a a pre-warning, I'm drawing at the same time, so forgive me if my eyes don't match directly, but... um, I kind of uh, need to be drawing every day, otherwise I go a bit crazy. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, growing up and stuff, um, we were well. My parents kind of got me in. My parents were originally from Sri Lanka, um, and they had me and my brother in the UK. Um, but my earliest memories of like stuff that links to what I'm doing now is um, going to see movies like. I don't know, it's, we, we were obsessed with films. My parents took us to go and see the re-releases of the Star Wars movies in the 90s, right? The early 90s. And we saw Aladdin and Lion King in the cinema. Right. Uh, Independence Day, you know, Jurassic Park. Uh, those were the first, like, really influential movies on me. Um, and then what happened after that? <laughs> oh, then my brother, who's a little bit older than me, he started watching like horror movies and scary movies. And I would kind of like come into the living room when Halloween was on. And uh, he'd be like, come watch it. You know, it's cool. Don't worry about it. And I, it would scare the shit out of me, basically. <laughs> um, things like A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Halloween. I think Terminator was, wasn't scary, but like that was like an okay one that I could sit through the entire movie and be fine. But those kind of films really like stayed in my mind for a long time. And by that point, you know, you get to like GCSE level. And I was always really like interested in art and design. And I was always doodling on my textbooks. Wasn't really paying much attention in like any of the other subjects. <laughs> um, kind of, I'd have, I'd be reading at the same, like I'd have a book that I was reading at the same time. So it would be like Goblet of Fire, for example, and I'd have the Harry Potter book on the side. Uh, the front cover of that one is like, is the dragon. Yeah, yeah. And I'd just be like replicating the dragon, like in the corner of my little maths textbook or something, or exercise book. Um, and by that point, I was doing GCSEs and I was kind of like getting really good at it. And my teacher was like, you should move on to A-level and it would be, you know, I think you do well. So, um, Sure, what did we do at A-level? We did um, three or four modules where we were like researching sculpture. And I, I chose sculpture and pop art, which was a bit of a weird mix, but like um, we would go, in, we'd spend a term kind of researching all of these different sculptors like Henry Moore and Barbara Hepworth and people like that. And then we would end up coming up with our own piece of work that was like inspired by the research we had done that term. The same goes with pop art. I was looking at Liechtenstein, Warhol, 
um, the big two, basically, basically those main two. I had to later, you know, art history, when you kind of come into later life, you're like, oh, there was much more than this. And there's, there's a lot more to this world than um, meets the eye. But yeah, um, graduated A-level and it was, it was like me and this other guy. We were the two top guys in the, in the class, basically. He was better than me. He was much better than me. But um, he didn't decide to pursue art as a career, but I did. I basically, 18, you know, you finished your A-levels and um, I got the best grade in art. And then I did maths and science afterward, you know, in addition. And I did okay in those. Um, but I told my parents. I was sorry, I, was gonna say, I think you're going to say it. Is that for, the, uh, was that for your parents? Because maths and, the maths and science. Um, yeah, well, there wasn't really anything else I was that interested in, basically. Right, okay. We didn't have design technology um, at my school, and I wasn't interested in, well, the sciences I failed at, basically. I tried them at AS level, and I failed them, so <laughs> I didn't pursue them any further. But I, was, I enjoyed maths, and computing, I just, I think, uh, again, the same thing. I enjoyed computing, and I had a good class of, of mates in, the, in those two classes as well. I enjoyed the, the, the teachers were really fun and they're friendly. Um, one of the reasons I didn't pursue biology was because I hated my biology teacher. You know, it's really... Uh, yeah. It does have an impact. <laughs> it, it does. I go on like gut instinct and I still have a memory, a burning memory of him telling me off in the middle of the canteen for being too like loud and having fun basically. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> At 18, I told my parents I wanted to be an artist, and they said no straight away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Usual thing, right? Parents, I think, of that generation haven't really got, like, well, some of them don't really have an understanding of what you can do with a creative career. And my art teacher didn't really know either. He was, I, I asked him, and he was like, you can either be an architect or an artist. I was like, okay, cool, because I had no idea what an illustrator was or a commercial artist was or graphic designer. So I told my parents and they said no. And they said, you've got to do something that meets us in the middle, like a, a job that has a nine to five that is, um, gives you an annual salary and kind of, you know, that kind of thing, or a monthly salary and stuff, like something that has a bit more uh, structure to it. Hmm. And I chose architecture instead. Um, and applied to quite a few universities, but got into Kingston University and Kingston, is a university of art and design as well so i spent the first three years of uni which is the undergrad it's like a seven-year course and you do three years a year out in industry another two years at uni and another year out in industry it's a long course but the first three years are at kingston and kingston has uh art and design it has fashion textiles graphics it has everything so even though I was doing architecture, I was surrounded by design people, like other people who I was so much more interested in, basically. <laughs> You'd be in the bar and then, and I don't know, the architects that I was with, I'm still mates with them today, but we all had this vibe of being a little bit nerdy, a little bit bland, basically. <laughs> we were all still pretty fun in our own way, but like when you, when you looked over to the fine art people or the graphics people, you could tell they were a little bit cooler, basically. And I was like, <laughs> and I, was like I, 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 I feel a connection with you, but, you know, I, I, I don't know how to talk to you because you're still too cool at this point. Um, so, with, you, you grew up in South Wales. Um, mm. 
Where, whereabouts in South Wales? So I went to school in Newport. Ah. Uh, I lived in Bridgend. Okay. And I lived in Mainton Cardiff. So, yeah. I, I got, you have I got a connection. connection. To... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a connection to uh, Swansea. I was, oh, cool. I was really hoping you were from Swansea, um, but as long as you're not from. Oh Cardiff. no, no, no! I've, I've only been to Swansea a couple of times because it's like, um, well, it's a good university university town, and um, they've got this. I don't know if it's still there, but like the Mumble is it the Mumble Mile, right? Where you kind of yeah, like Mumbles, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can and when I went, I remember like you've got bars and clubs and stuff, a big road, and then the sea. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, it's that. It's um well you got Wine Street which is uh, it's about Wind Street but it's it's what it's pronounced Wine Street but it's literally just clubs and bars all the way down it's great. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, have you just spent time there or is that like? Uh... And I've got so I've got family down there, um, oh. my cousins and stuff. But then my dad grew up there as well, so that's what Swansea football club. Oh, nice. But yeah, I got I got a little tie tie there. But, uh... That's cool. Yeah, I still have some ties to South Wales. Like my parents still live there. That's awesome. My school friends. A lot of them moved out for uni, but then they all came back to South Wales, basically. So um, what happens when, when you told your parents as well you're going to London or Kingston? Because um, this is Kingston near London, not Jamaica, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my school friends were like, oh, okay, cool, you're going to Jamaica. That sounds fun. You know, when I told them I was going to Kingston. But um, no, Kingston-upon-Thames. Yeah. Uh, that's southwest London. Southwest, yeah. So what were your, what were your parents thinking when you said you were going to move to London? I think they were fine with it because my brother had gone to become a, he was a, he's a couple of years older than me and he had um, gone to Tooting okay. uh, to study medicine. So he was already in Southwest London um, being, you know, training to be a doctor and stuff. So uh, Kingston wasn't too far and it meant that they could come and visit us both and do a round trip basically. So I think they were quite comfortable but I remember on the first day of uh, going to halls of residence, you know, parents dropped me off. Like my parents shed a little tear, definitely, and I was a little bit like, "This is this is kind of scary." But at the same time, I was like super excited because you know, it's freedom, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's an element of freedom there. But yeah, being a child of a South, you know, South Asian parents is a lot of. Uh, it wasn't really strict, but there was implied kind of like rules of like no dating, no drinking, no doing any of this stuff. And like, obviously I was doing a little bit of it secretly, but I think at uni, your parents finally are like, okay, we have to let them go now. We have to like, yeah, we have to understand that he's going to get up to all kinds of no good and uh, he'll figure it out as an, on his own, you know. <laughs> are they more relaxed now, or are they? Are they? Um, I'm always really about this. Yeah. yeah. So they they have not been relaxed about what I do in my life until very recently. I would say until the last like I'm 31 now, right? And it's been I reckon the last two to two through three years they finally started to be like, oh, cool. He's actually. He's doing something with his career, something that we don't understand, but we can yeah. see he's doing well in and comfortable. And, you know, I've been going out with my girlfriend for three and a half years and they've met her and they've met previous exes of mine, but they're fine. They're like, oh, this is cool. And she's, she's white as well. So like, they're like, this is fine. Like this isn't, I think as times have changed around us, 
things have become more acceptable you know my parents have also had to grow up a little bit as well in their their, their values and what they believe in so um you know when you have when you have kids you can't really like expect them to be clones of yourself you know in terms of everything you did they have to kind of accept that you're going to be a little bit different <laughs> so to answer, long, long answer to your question yeah they're all cool with it now it's fine <laughs> um, could you take me up to the point of uh, sort of coming out of university and, and like getting an agent and, and how you found oh, it oh shit yeah yeah so I've got to I've got to speed that bit up so uh, three years of Kingston I did a year out in industry but that was around the time of the recession so my year out in industry normally as an architect you would go work for one architect for a year and you get great experience but I mean I got a 2-1 in my undergrad you know it was like okay for it would have got me a job in a normal climate but I jumped around from like three or four places over the year and I was like I didn't have the best year out in industry and I asked all of my mates who grad, you know graduated from me at the same time they're like what you know I was like what are you doing next and they were like oh we're going to do our part two at London Metropolitan which is north east london and i was like fuck it i'll just do the same you know <laughs> i didn't really think about my career at that point i still wanted to be an architect i think so i was like yeah i'll do the part two did the part two got into my final year and my final year tutor is an architectural photographer and he um and a builder and a designer in his own right but he saw the work i was producing in my final year you have to produce like books and um presentations of your work like you know walls full of this stuff mm. and my tutor was like your building design that you've made for your final year has been planned out beautifully it looks amazing from the outside you know all of the design decisions you've made from the look of this thing is amazing and the presentation of the books are fantastic but the way the building is constructed the way you're thinking around construction marrying with your design uh is not very good and it shows that you haven't been interested in that part of the job the construction and you know you can think really creatively about how a building is constructed juxtaposed with or in addition to how it looks from the outside and i wasn't doing that and he was like based on everything i see here you would make an amazing graphic designer <laughs> seven year architecture well, like like we you say that because like, it's funny people on instagram a lot a lot of young designers they don't don't think about what they're designing they just make something pretty and then that's, yeah. that does really well yeah. on instagram so i'm thinking hey, yeah. is this is this the road you're leading down <laughs> <laughs> well i think later on in illustration i have got my architecture training comes back in right in terms of the way you construct and stuff so it's uh, yeah i'll get to it it's quite an interesting <laughs> but anyway he was like I don't think you're gonna make a good architect. And I was like, cool, thank you for being honest because you could have told me to just go straight into architectural education, uh, a profession, and I would have been miserable. But to his credit, he did get me a job. He was like, hey, look, I know a guy, you should work for him for a year and see how you feel, basically. And I worked for this practice, and one of the, it's run by two guys, um, team of like 10, 15 people. One of the guys was really nice and the other one was horrible. He was so mean and he was so like angry all the time. And I was like, I was really crap on my job to be fair. I wasn't very good. Like I just graduated, you know, I didn't really know anything about construction or 
the architectural programs you have to use. They don't really teach you about um, this, the, the programs too much. You kind of have to learn it all yourself. But anyway, it coupled with the fact that I didn't really want to be there. I worked there for three to four months as a professional architect. And then I was like, I've got to go. And I was, I was actually losing my hair from stress. My hair was falling out and shit. It was really, really bad. Like it wasn't a joke. It was like, it was awful. And I called my parents and I was dating someone at the time. And I was, I told her and, she, and I was like, look, I want to, I want to leave architecture forever, go into design of some sort, graphic design. Didn't really know about illustration just yet. I was making graphic design posters for myself. My girlfriend at the time was like, no, don't do that. Like you've just trained for all this time. Like what the hell are you doing? But my parents who know me a bit better, they were like, you're clearly stressed. You're clearly, clearly don't want to be in this environment. You have to do what makes you happy. Mm. And at that point, what made me happy was leaving architecture. So I did. And so that's, that was my end of my architectural career and education and it was over. So what age was this? Oh shit, what was it? It was 2012. Yeah, 2012. I don't know how old I was. <laughs> no, it's just um, a bit of timeline. That's cool. Yeah, third one now, 2012 was when <laughs> I... Someone did the maths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I then spent, I'd saved enough money to live for a year in the flat that I was living in with a mate. And I decided to make loads of work, like whatever I could, influenced by the designers and illustrators that I liked at the time. People like Oli Moss, yeah. uh, graphic designer um, and illustrator. He was making these cool like penguin book covers cross over, crossed over with like video games and shit. And like, mm. So I, I made a series myself in the same light I was like oh penguin book covers crossed with what am I obsessed with from my childhood movies you know I've been consuming film this entire time and what lends itself to a book cover it's a screenplay right uh, you know a film screenplay and who's in my eyes celebrated for their screenplays it's Quentin Tarantino He's known for his screenplays, he's won Oscars for them. He's known for his directing as well. But like, you have to think, I have to think in that way of like, you can't just put a film on a Penguin book cover. You've got to like, have this other thing that's in there, you know. And I'm, I'm, I was making alternative film posters as well at the same time. And the Penguin book covers, they got picked up by Shortlist Magazine and put on their website. And that got me a lot of traction. I got a lot of comments saying, this is an Ollie Moss ripoff. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, Hey man, this is, I, I, I'm cool. I've got a bit annoyed by it, but at the same time, like, yeah, it kind of is, you know, I'm, I'm clearly liked what he's doing and I, I, I want to do something my, myself in the same way. Um, but it was different enough. So I don't really mind, but I joined, um, with this alternative movie posters I was making. I also joined an art collective called the poster posse. Okay. I don't that's know if you've cool. heard of them. No, that's so not... an American, American kind of group. Uh, yeah, but have you heard of those guys? You know what they're. I've heard of like the graphic gang and stuff like that, but not. Ah, okay. <laughs> graphic mafia. Well, Post Apostle started off as like a group of like five or six artists, and they were making alternative movie posters in time. They were fan based posters in time for when a film released in the cinema. And when it released, they would promote. 
they would help they would want to promote the film by saying hey look we've made these posters we're big fans of this film like what do you think and it started out as a fan poster project um and now that that was around 2012 so and now they're um a group of commercial artists essentially run like an agency who get hired by those movie studios so it took that amount of time from fan poster to commissioned artwork i left that group about halfway through because i was still struggling with my style and what i was interested in you know 2012 to to a few years ago i was working as an illustrator by this point i'm like commercial illustrator you know but with a style that was very different to what i do now so was it was that all still on your own or, or did you have anyone like were you working for an agency or working with a with an agent or no 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 that was all still on my own i had gotten commissions through uh with greenpeace um oh, i was with a group called ycn actually i don't know if you know ycn no. they they started out as an agency but i think they're they're like a i don't know they're kind of an online resource for like illustrators basically were you know kind of like the aoi a little bit but they were semi-agents and they got me a couple of jobs um through greenpeace i did a mural for a restaurant as well but my style at the time was like this where's wally style um i think i realized after like you know doing those ollie moss kind of rip-offs and like doing random bits i think i realized i was like Oh, shit, I'm a bit lost here. Like, what do I do? And I went back to my youth, the films that inspired me, the cartoons, uh, X-Men, 90s cartoon, you know, that kind of thing. And that cartoon style or that comic book style was like a line style, like a thick black line, which was had flat colours in. And that's when I started going in that direction. I just wanted to look back and go, this seems like, the, this seems like a commercial route. Like... Um, maybe this will help me, you know, in terms of getting jobs. And it did. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it did get me loads of jobs in that style, basically. Um, uh, but that, I was, so I had that style. I had my like looser, more kind of like creepy style, which was like still using that black line, but I wasn't doing Where's Wally. I was doing like big skull drawings and I was taking commissions and all different types of things. It's doing maps. And then the end, and this led me up to the end of last year, right? What are we in now? 2019. 2019, yeah. I know I've just skipped like a shitload of stuff, but I will, I'll come back to it if you, if you need. But um, I think at the beginning of 2018, I had lots of different styles of work. And um, I applied to an agency and I got, I got accepted into an illustration agency called Debut Art. And um, at that point I was just, I was working on a project called Where's the Dude? (laughs) Um, Which was the Where's Wally book and uh, with Lawrence King and Little White Lies who I was a big collaborator with, still am like, you know, love the magazine. But um, yeah, you can see the kind of style of illustration I was making yeah. uh, at the time. And I asked Debut Art very like naively, <laughs> not confident in my own work, why did you pick me? Like why, you know, what, 
what have I got over, you know, the hundreds of other people that apply to your agency every day? And what they actually said was, you've got a range, you've got a really nice range of work. You know, you've got like, where's Wally? You've got that flat line style going into more surreal and graphic stuff. Like it's, it's a big range. Unfortunately, that is great for an agent. <laughs> it's not great for the individual who wants to pursue a career and get known for, you know, and, and be known for a specific thing and like still have freedom within it. But, you know, you want to build a, an illustration career out of this, an art career. Mm. Is so, that a question yeah. before we go on? So first of all, why did you think to apply to get an agent? Um, I was at the time before joining the agency getting three or four big jobs right. um, with with quite large paychecks and I was set, getting a sense that I wasn't getting taking full advantage of the job in terms of not understanding the contracts, okay. not understanding usage rights behind the work I was making. You know, a lot of these jobs I was doing for a one-off payment still had a contract to sign, but I wasn't necessarily thinking to myself, Oh, what if they reuse this image, you know, within their own company, I should get a little bit here. And, and I didn't understand any of that, which is, and then I was like, I think I need to find an agent who can help me with that. Basically. Little did I know that it, I was also struggling with style and all this other stuff, which finally sorts itself out, you know, uh, this year. <laughs> How did you get those jobs before you, you got into the agency or the, or the agent, having an agent? I was building, I was building like a social media following. I was, oh, I was being very tenacious, cold calling, cold emailing wow. everybody I could find. Basically, I didn't know how else to do it. I would go to WH Smith's, which is a local corner shop, right? And I would find magazines, get, you know, find the, in, uh, the information about the team who made the magazine, find the art director find them on Instagram or uh, email them directly. And I would type in the word art director into Twitter, into the search engine on Twitter, find all the art directors I could find, same on Instagram and just follow them and you know, contact them with work. Very ballsy, just like, here's the shit amount of work I've done. It's all terrible in my own eyes. <laughs> I didn't say this, but in my own eyes, it's like, you could find something within this portfolio that you could, that you like, that you'd hire me for. So I was doing random book covers for people. And I all different I... styles as well. Sorry? You're doing, you're doing all different styles at this point. It was just a, a real, real mix. Still, still a bit of a hodgepodge of styles, yeah. Still like all over the place. And one way of getting work was I saw a newspaper article about um, a small book publisher called Old Castle Books. And I called them up straight away and I was like, Hey guys, like, here's my, I've done a load of penguin book covers inspired by Quentin Tarantino screenplays. Like, what do you think? And they saw the crudeness of them, but they, this, you know, that I first made a few years ago, but they had seen what I was up to now. And they were like, Oh, we could, we could work something here. And I ended up working on a series for an author called Jason Starr. Mm -hmm. And those was book covers were, working with photography and they were like Polish movies poster inspired. Like it was, it's all over the, it was all over the place basically. But I didn't say no to anything. I said yes to everything because at the time I was like, everything's a learning experience. Like 
I'll just take whatever I can get and go from there, basically. Um, do you think so, yeah. you're supposed to do that? Do you think do you think that's a good way to just get your feelings out there? Oh gosh, um, that's an interesting. I think, I think um, you should, as a younger illustrator, if you have a sketchbook of work and a, you know that you're making that's inspired by your own mind and imagination, keep making that and keep pushing it. You don't have to show anybody at this point, but just keep making work every day. But if a job comes in, that's got like a bit of photography involved or, you know, and, you don't, and you're making the work, but you don't really know where you want to go. And a new job comes in that's not necessarily your style. Mm. If you're really early in your career, I would say, yeah, take it. I would say, yeah, absolutely. Because in my experience, I learned from it. And you could sit in your room and, you know, ponder about that job that you didn't take and but it or you could just do it get on with it maybe not enjoy it but come back with a learning experience and a you know my career is filled with those basically <laughs> I did one in December uh, that finally made me realize like this is it I'm moving away from this way as well style forever I'm never going back to it <laughs> and that was a learning experience you know and it's yeah so it's I would say yes, but nice. I would also say don't share. If you, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, about sharing work online and stuff, right? It's a, yeah. I would say don't share anything. I would say like figure things out and share what you want to share, but um, don't don't chase like uh, Instagram likes and things that kind of thing. Just if you like it, if you like something you've done, share it. Yeah, absolutely. If you yeah. think it's cool, share it. Because Freya said that on the last podcast, um, where she listened to it, it was uh, she said, "Make make work for yourself, and then if you feel like it's good, share it on online. Don't don't go and make stuff for people that are doing on that are on social media. Don't make stuff for social media and the likes." No, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. It's, <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not the right thing to do at all. Yeah, I I get really inspired to make work around films I see. So I saw Lady Bird recently, you know, the Greta Gerwig movie, and I didn't see it during the Oscar season a couple of years ago, but I saw it like the other day. And I was like, I need to make an image of this, of this person of Lady Bird. So I like, and I, I'm currently in a space where I want to try out different materials. And, you know, I've been working at digitally for such a long time. I was like, okay, get a piece of paper out, colored pencils, sharpen the colored pencils and draw a portrait of her. And I put it up on Instagram and I was like, fuck, it looks awful. It looks terrible, but it looks better in real life. And it's up on my wall and I'm happy with it. And the, the, oh, it looks terrible thing lasted about two minutes. And then I was like, no, get on with it. Because it looks terrible to me because I'm very self-conscious about what I do. I'm very anxious about what I do all the time. And it might not be terrible to someone else, basically. It's, it's, um, it's a portrait, it shares a likeness to, to Saoirse Ronan, and that's all, you know, when you're drawing a portrait of someone, that's all you really need, you know, and the rest can come later. Like, maybe I'll revisit that same movie in a few years' time and see if I can make something similar and see where my skills have changed or adapted, you know, yeah. from there. Right, well, it, um, it's hard though, isn't it? Because like you're saying, you know, don't chase the likes, don't, don't do stuff for social media, then 
it's sort of validating, isn't it? And it's sort of, it's, you, you put stuff on there and then people appreciate your work so you feel better about yourself. Because like you were saying just then, like you didn't feel all confident in your work. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's about balance. I, but the thing is, it's, diff, it's so difficult because the problem with social media is that um, compare culture and the like culture. Like if you find yourself on there and you're, you're making work to kind of please other people, you need to stop and maybe maybe even take a break for a, a year of social media and just make the work. It's a tough one, right? It's, yeah, it's, well. it's difficult, <laughs> but <laughs> take a break from social media altogether and make work and you'd be so productive. You have no idea how productive you'd be if you just like knuckle down and get on with the work itself. Um, but yeah, where were we? I'm, I've got a bit lost. <laughs> There needs, there needs to be an app where you can't look at other people's posts, but you can just post your own work. Um, so, like, so once you post it, it yeah. shuts down and you can't use it until the next time you want to post something. But the thing is, other people's work can be inspiring, right? It yeah, that's be, a problem. Yeah, yeah. I like social media. I like using social media and looking at other people's work and getting inspired by it. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's unattainable. Uh, you know, certain artists are like so far in their career I look at it and for a split second, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so crap in comparison. Yeah. But I do a little research behind the artist and realize that they're 20 years into their career, you know, and that's why they've gotten to that point. And they've recently joined social media. So they get to share this 20 year history of their work. And, or maybe they've been on the internet for a long time and people have they've built a following over that. And, and then I'm like, right, don't worry about any of that stuff. Just make work that you really love and have these uh, if you have if you have an idea about the kind of things you want to make you do have to be strict sometimes in terms of your own work and how you make it um but have that at the forefront so like my work now is like in surrealism like allegorical kind of work um a little bit of sci-fi but so all of that is an inspiration but the buzzwords for me are trying to make the work look naturalistic, fluid, dreamlike. Mm -hmm. And if I can make the work feel like that, like those three words, every time I make something, that is my, those are my rules, basically. Those are my rules. They're pretty loose. <laughs> They're pretty loose rules, but yeah. That's, cool. uh, yeah. So, Where so were Completely forgotten where we were. Oh, I was just about to get onto the agents uh, thing. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We were talking yeah. about um, the changes in paths and sticking to your sticking to your, your own work. Yeah. So um, I was with Debut Art for a year, and throughout that year, I was getting more work similar to the Where's Wally type stuff. You know, magazine covers, um, editorial pieces, really fun things to do. Like really good. I was getting the experience of of regular work from an agent, uh, understanding contracts and fees and all of that stuff. But I got to the, I got to near the middle of the year and I was, I found myself more interested in my more surreal pieces that I was being commissioned to do. Um, and less interested in the ways Wally stuff. And I think finishing this book, as much as I love making it, I think finishing this book, which was happened middle of that year, I was like, this was such a toll on me. I never want to do this again. <laughs> and I lost the love for it. 
because a lot of people have love for this style and I still do sometimes, but I think at that point I lost the love for the style, which clearly meant that I didn't pick it in the beginning mm. because of its authenticity to me. Like I wasn't, I didn't choose that style for its, for, for my true love for it. And that's what made me realize like you have to go, I have to go back and think, what am I really interested in? What do I love? Irrelevant of it, if it's got a commercial viability, irrelevant of it, if it pleases someone else, what do I love the most? And, it, and it, I realized it was creepy, weird, sci-fi, surreal shit, basically. Like, I, was, I was, my friend at the time, she, she invited me to a movie double bill in Hackney. And it was by this film director called Alejandro Jodorowsky. Right. He's a Chilean film director who makes surrealist work and his, his film, The Holy Mountain, was played first. And then his, uh, I think his other film, El Topo, was like the second of that double bill. And those two movies re reignited my love for weird shit, basically. I was like, whoa, this is nuts. Like the type of imagery, images that were coming up. And it then made me go back in my root, to my roots even to like Aladdin and Lion King, but find the weird shit that happened within those movies. Like in Dumbo, you know, the purple elephant scene and stuff, like all that stuff, finding all of that and bringing that to the forefront of my mind. And I was upset, I'm still obsessed with Darren Aronofsky as a filmmaker. Like he makes real, he makes real films about kind of real people, you know, Black Swan and The Wrestler, but then he makes weird shit crazy movies like The Fountain and Requiem for a Dream. It's all about real people, but it has these surreal elements within them. And that's what made me think I need to step away from this. So I told my agent end of last year, I was working on an animation job uh, for them in my Where's Wally style at the time. And by that point I was done. I was, I hated, hated it, really didn't enjoy it. So I made that that was the thing that really made me realize like get over this move on so I told my agent I was like guys I'm I'm so sorry but I've got to pursue the surreal pieces like I've got to you know would you be interested in uh putting those at the forefront of my portfolio on your agency website and and getting rid of everything else like not we're not making a transition we're starting again basically like We'll put the surreal stuff at the top, we'll get rid of all the Where's Wally stuff. And that's when they told me, we actually, the Where's Wally stuff for us from you is more commercially viable for us at this time. And um, the surreal stuff, we have lots of artists on our roster that already do that type of work. So that wouldn't be for us. Your, your surreal stuff wouldn't be for us because we've already got loads of people doing that. What we don't have is the Where's Wally guy. So we want you to be the Where's Wally guy. I was like, can't do it, I'm sorry. So we parted ways very mutually. It was like, a, they were like, we love what you're doing. We just have enough of it. And that's the big thing about working for, or being part of an agency is it's more about the roster than it is about skills. And you know, you've got to be skilled and talented and stuff, but like everybody is, you know, everybody's at the level where they're applying there are there are small degrees of levels that are like some people are slightly better than others but most of you are at this correct level right you're applying to an agency and the agency needs to pick someone that they don't have already so advice for applying to agencies is go to the roster look at the artists that are already there if you're anywhere near 
those artists in terms of your style and the way you work, you're not going to get in because they've already got that guy, you know, and they're all, all girl. They've got, they've got that person to, yeah. So that, that would be advice for going to an agent basically. Um, so was the breakup? I've like jumped quite a lot. <laughs> I've done a lot, but you'll, you'll put me back. You'll, you'll bring me back. In, so. <laughs> so, so the breakup, uh, was it, was it difficult to do or deal with, or, or is they pretty okay with it? I think um, they, they were okay with it because they knew I didn't want to pursue the Where's Wally stuff. I was okay with it because I'm the type of person that, you know, quit architecture after seven years. <laughs> I'm the type of person that if something isn't right, I'm moving on. I'm going to make the next step. So um, that... I was fine with it. I knew that things would work out because I've been working. I think because I've had failures and, and um, you saw The Last Jedi, right? I'm, not many people like The Last Jedi, but did you like it? No, I'm not really, <laughs> not really a Star Wars fan. Um, oh, okay, fine. I haven't fine. really seen it, no. <laughs> Okay, fine, fine, fine. But, uh, You're going to kill me for that. <laughs> no, 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 it's cool. Don't worry about it like whatever you like but um the yoda message in the last jedi i think it's based around failure and how you can learn from your failures and the biggest lesson is failing basically and it's so true like the reason they put it in the biggest movie on the planet is because it's the biggest lesson you learn you learn from all your mistakes and your failures basically which is which sucks but at the same time it's uh it's, if you if you're aware of it you're able to then go oh, that was a learning experience and I can now know what I don't want to do in the future, you know. Absolutely. If someone comes to me with a Where's Wally project, <laughs> I pass straight over to, the net, to, the, to a friend who does that work. Um, I won't say, no, thank you, this isn't me anymore. I'll be like, I, you know, I'm working on something else right now, but I've got a friend who's doing that kind of stuff and he'd love to take part of it or she'd love to take part in that. Um, but yeah, so that was, the, that was the agency thing. But by this point, I've done work for... New Scientist magazine, Welcome Collection, uh, Facebook, uh, Time Out. These were the more surreal pieces that I had done through my agent by the end of the year. So I was, I was doing lots of Where's Wally work, but I was doing the odd surreal piece that I could really grab onto. And those are the things that are now at the top of my website that I can like, you know, push forward basically. Right, so that, how's it been like since and, and and you're showing off the work you want to get in and that's it's another lesson which is really important yeah yeah at one point in a few years ago i was like oh my website should be filled with an archive of everything i've ever done so people can see how i've developed and it's like no <laughs> no one's interested in the thing that you don't want to do that you did five years ago you know like don't if you once you realize what you want to do, that's when you start the archive, which is now for me, basically. Um, is that the now same with when... as well? Is that, the same with, is that the same with Instagram as well? So do you go back and delete old posts? or I have deleted old posts that are completely non-related, you know, like right. holiday snaps and things <laughs> like that. that I like, you know. yeah. But also, Instagram is, uh, is a way of looking back and going, oh, that was a time in my life when I wasn't really thinking about my career properly and just posting my holiday photos, you know, and I'm okay to keep some of them. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have time to go back and kind of go, ah, delete that, delete that. But um, I've started to curate it a bit more focused for work, just like 
it, it should really be work and the occasional promotional thing like a video or a photo shoot or that kind of thing like if that suits what i'm doing then it's going to get on the instagram account but yeah definitely like um I don't go back. No, I don't. Don't don't look to go back. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, how has it been since since leaving the agency and, and getting jobs in? And I mean, yeah. Can, can you? I guess we should probably sum up what an agent does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what does an so, do? why, why did you go to them? Like, how did it? How did that help you get working? So for me, I had had a couple of big jobs. I wasn't, you know, uh, I wanted regular work and I wanted to understand contracts. Yes. And that that's what that's what uh, my old agent did for me at that point. They they got me in to the regular workflow. I was getting two or three jobs a month. Um and I was understanding the contracts behind those jobs a lot more. Understanding, you know, an editorial commission versus an advertising commission versus mm. pitches that I've done. I've done loads of pitches for jobs that have never seen the light of day. I got you but you get paid for that type of stuff, you know, and you kind of you understand the business a bit more. And that's what I got from the agent basically. Um but they were an agency that kind of let you get on with it, basically. And for someone who was confused about what style they were still figuring out, I was looking for a bit more guidance and I got it based on every piece of work I did but it wasn't the type of guidance that I needed at the time. And I was like, I need to, I shouldn't really look for anyone else for guidance in that way. That's the, that at that point I was like, no, I need to figure this out myself and really be confident and understand the type of work I want to make and move forward and then join another agency full of confidence. And this is me, this is who I am. And what do you think basically not, here's a bit from this style, here's a bit from that, you know, like, yeah. have the confidence. Yeah, so what it's been like since, um, I left in December, and I had the need, I had the urgency to want to join another agency very quickly. It's terrible, it's really bad, because um, I don't know why, I think I was just like, I need, I, I was worried about getting jobs. I was worried about getting jobs, because I had spent the last year uh, passing that over to my agent, you know, like the jobs came through them and I lost, I lost a sense of promotion for myself and I lost, I lost a sense of like wanting to find work myself. Um, so I was a bit scared and I was like, Oh, that must be what all agencies are like. And you know, I need to, I need to join another agency. I, at that point, so January, I was finishing off a few jobs for my old agent that were in my new style. So I was chuffed about that. It was great. Um, and at that point, it was January. Um, I decided to like focus on personal pieces of work. Um, I had an old school friend see. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> um, also in December, I got contacted by a production company, a film production company that were like, we want to make a film about you. And we're, we're, we're making it for Adobe. And I, at that point, and, and they also said, we, and we, we want to make a film about your new style, the work that you're doing now. That gave me the confidence to be like, oh, this is fine. I can do this. I can like start January and 
make personal pieces of work, not worry about jobs, just, just yeah, you know, let, again, you, you learn to save money, you have a bit in the bank, you know, you make sure that you're covered for all of your expenses, but you get on with the work, right? And then, so January was filled with video content. That's what, that's it. January, I had to make this film with this, with this production company and Post Spy, I don't know if you know Post Spy. Yeah, yeah. Jack from Post Spy also wanted me to make a little video for him as well. So I was making these two videos and getting caught up in that in January. And I was like, this is fun. I get to, those videos are coming out soon. But um, just after those films were done, um, shit, I'm backtracking. I'm terrible at my um, memory. Sorry. So in January, I was also, do, the, the film was for Adobe was focused on a case study. They wanted something to latch onto throughout the film, right? And my girlfriend was, she had applied to a grant project. She's a PhD student studying the microbiome of the gut. Wow. And um, yeah, <laughs> we're two, we're, we're very different people in that respect. Like she's very creative in her own way, but like, yeah, it's weird. But anyway, she got, for this grant, she was like, get, she got to collaborate with an artist and she chose me to collaborate with. Very thankful for that. Um, and we had to make a piece of work that was inspired by her PhD. It was my artist interpretation of her PhD and we discussed the project together and take it from there. Um, and we made this big mural of um, a woman lying in the grass with uh, microbes pouring out of her and like her interacting with her environment and stuff. But that was the case study for the film and there was an exhibition of it and, and all of that stuff. So. Um, I created this nice big piece of work that got to be seen by lots of people, got to be in a film. New experiences, you know, like having that stuff. Um, so I was getting caught up in that. And my school, one of my school friends saw the piece I did. And he was like, can I commission you for a private commission, you know, for a similar type of work, piece of work. Um, I, lo I love the colours. I love the like long, land, you know, the extra long landscape size of the thing. Uh, and I was like, sure, what do, you, what do you want? He was like, oh, me and my girlfriend went on a trip to Sri Lanka and we really want something inspired by that. And I was like, I could definitely do that, being a Sri Lankan person myself. <laughs> um, and he was like, I was like, do you have any idea of what you want? And he was like, he gave me three buzzwords. He said, Sri Lanka, uh, Starry Night, I think. And he said, Finsbury Park, because that's where they live right now. And I was like, I'm gonna to have to knock Finsbury Park off of that list because they don't, they don't really match, you know. So I can pick a Starry Night in Sri Lanka. Um, so that commission came in December, January, and um, I did this on like Christmas Eve. No. Uh, and uh, sent it to him, and he was like, "Yeah, that sounds amazing. That looks great." Um, essentially, I drew what my dad had looked like when he was young, wearing a sarong you know, long hair and stuff. Yeah. The rest was all me. I just like, you know, create surrealist jungle weird stuff. And like, and I, the, I think he looked, I think he saw this and then he was like, okay, I've got a couple of things. Can you put a turtle in there and a crab in there? I was like, cool, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and that piece is on my website and it's like much longer. You know, the process changes, you know, you send them the sketch and then you, you, re you work on it and you're like, oh, this could be a bit longer and he he loved the long piece I did. So he was like, so I was making 
private commissions that were, you know, really personal and like a lot, very freeing, basically. I could kind of do whatever I want. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was making that, that was January. And what are we, like March? Yeah, in the March. Um, yeah. I got approached on Instagram by, oh no, no, got approached by email from someone who saw my work on Instagram by a really big client who I'm not allowed to talk about, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, but uh, they saw my they saw a piece a personal project I did around based around Tyler the creator okay. and the art director saw it followed me loved it emailed me and said we have this job for you can you do it I love the Tyler the creator piece that you did I was like anything else in my portfolio that you like is that like, no <laughs> really love this so I basically ended up doing something very similar in terms of color palette mm. and composition and, you know, that kind of thing. I hopefully will get to share the work in the future, but um, for now, uh, yeah. But that made me realize I've got like, a, I don't know how many followers I've got on Instagram, maybe a, a thousand or close to 2000, but it's not, about, it's not about the number of followers. It's about the right type of people that follow you, right? It's, yeah. And, and that was based on a personal piece of work that I had done, you know, that, that these, and I've since worked with that client again. And that client is really keen on my surreal thinking and my weird, you know, wacky thinking. And I sent them this piece that I did recently and it's nuts. Like it's, it's not something that I would have thought I would be commissioned to do. And I sent it and I was like, oh God, they're going to hate it. This is awful. And the, the message back was like, we love it. This is, this is crazy. And, and it's unique to my thinking. That's the, that's the only thing I can say. Like, however weird you think a piece of work of yours might be, allow it, let it happen, just do it and put it out there. You know, don't think too hard about what other people might think, basically. It's going to be other people in the world that like it, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And um, so I'm working on those jobs right now. Um, and I'm working on, again, this is something I'm not allowed to say, but... There's a piece behind my chair that's like on the on the floor over there that I can't talk about or <laughs> even show you, but you can see the corner of it. <laughs> but that's a charcoal piece, yeah. and it's for a it's for a commission for an, a coffee table book. Um, and I figured the the job is like a fun project to do, and the deal is is not as um, lucrative as some of the other projects I've done so I thought to myself I can make I can take more agency on this job I can like have more fun with it that's the way I see things in that respect I'm like if a job comes in and it's like we don't really have that much money but we but you have more creative freedom I'm like great I will run with that and take yeah, it absolutely. further yeah so I was like fuck it I'll do a charcoal piece I'll scan it in and work on it digitally and further my interest in making work that is more analog sometimes i'll do digital but i've done digital for like five or six years now and i still want to keep making both um it's why i did the ladybird sketch with colored pencils it's why i'm going to start working with acrylics next like i don't want to be stuck to one thing i think it's that ways wally thing that got to me still <laughs> i think i just yeah <laughs> that's great though. that's yeah. really good um so, 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 how, so, so, ask the question: How are you picking up clients? And is it just through just people seeing your work? 
So I did, I, I have since joined an agency again. I've joined uh, an a- illustration agency called Raw. But this time round, I had a lot more uh, of myself and my, in- my own interests. And when I was applying, I was like, um, I want to be known or I want to get jobs within this style. So I found an illustration agency that was interested in this type of work. And I think on their website, they have this, they have this bit of information that says what they're interested in and how they're interested in their relationships with their artists. And they were like, we're looking to build relationships, we're looking to foster artists, and we're, we're interested in having relationships over kind of, I don't know what else they said on it, but have a look on Raw's website. But it drew, it drew me in straight away. I was like, that's the type of agent I want. And I spoke to the head of Raw, her name is Sky, and she, she had a phone call with me and she was like, okay, so I, I, I'm interested in your work, and, but, but I, I, I have a couple of issues with it. And she told me the issues and then she said, what are you looking to do going forward? And I told her and, and she responded in a way that was like, yes, I can't wait for this to happen. And I'm looking forward to like, you know, I'm signing you up and let's go, let's, let's build this thing together. And that was what, that was the thing I was missing in my previous relationship with an agent. I was like, I want, yeah, I do like talking about the work. I love calling a person over and be like, hey, what do you think about this? You know, and, and that's, that's the kind of relationship I want. So I realized like, when you want to join an agency, think about the type of things you're, that you want from that agent, you know, rather than the roster they have, you know, look at the roster, look, make sure your style fits within it, but doesn't co- cross over with, with any other artists. But then read a little bit about them, contact other artists that are represented by them and see ask them questions, you know, ask them how they're feeling with the, with the agent and stuff. But I joined that agent, uh, I joined Raw, uh, like a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> let's see where it all goes, but I'm uh, excited. I'm super excited. And the next step is to keep making personal pieces of work. Um, first, I've just, I've finally realized that make, I may, I'm, I, I want to make personal pieces of work first on canvas, on acrylic, and then allow commercial jobs to come in that really suit this style of work and really carefully consider the commissioned piece of work when it comes in. Um, Figure out whether it's right for me, whether it's the right move going forward. Um, I've already passed the point of understanding that you have to have a comfortable financial security Mm. and if that's if that if my savings go down i'll start to take work that is a little bit more restrictive but i'm i'm still going to push to make it as as unique to me as possible um or you take work on that you never show anyone that's completely in a different stuff maybe i do another where's wally book to you know to pay for uh stuff but i won't i won't be showing it to anyone it'll be like on under a pseudonym or something you know that kind of <laughs> <laughs> no, no design studios do that they do take on work that they never show anyone just because it pays the bills and then they have like the, two projects that they do yeah so you do that right you t- you do do you take on work uh, that you don't show 
I have done, yeah, 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 definitely. For me, that I used to, well, I, I'm interested in it, but at the same time, I get really down that I can't. Of course, yeah, yeah. It and that I can't, I'm not in it, basically. I, I'm the type of person that's like obsessed with an artist, a musical artist, for a month, and then I've got to move on to the next one. So I'm, I'm very immediate in what I do, and like I have to be obsessed with the thing I'm doing, which is why I'm like, there's also Sketch. times where, you, where you're working with a client and then it's going really well. It's, you're thinking this is going to go on the website. It's going to be the best project I've ever done. And then they just yeah. take the completely wrong direction and then they destroy it. And then you're like, oh, I can't put this on my website. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been told by um, previous agents and, uh, and people in the industry, like if, they, if, if the work goes a little bit south in terms of like the final thing, you or the color palette for example you can post your own version of it on your website you know you can like you can you can put the thing that you're most proud of on the website yeah um, i think when i've been to portfolio reviews before i i made mistakes in the early days because i was like all right here's a piece of work and here's who the who's here the uh, client was and here's a little bit of information about the client and I, I did this portfolio review with Kate Morris. Yeah. You know Kate Morris from Studio Morris. And she was like, I don't care about the client. Don't care about the information. I want to see the image big on the page. Um, I don't give a shit about the client, basically. As in, like, that shouldn't be the important thing. The piece of work should be the most important thing. Like, so if you've done a job for someone and it goes a bit south, find the, the point in the job where you were most proud and put that up <laughs> the yeah. client doesn't, yeah, they, you know they unless it's in your contract like but you can't you know make sure you check that stuff out but um and you see a lot of people on instagram put put up like here's an unused piece of work that never went through or here's a book cover that i did for this company that never made it you know that kind of thing i know matt roth does a lot of like uh, projects that he has just missed out on or like you know concepts yeah. that he did for clients that never made it and that's always the most interesting stuff because it's so early in the process that like it's the most freeing it's the most creative bit of the he's made into his own little Instagram show as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah again um, he's doing something on Instagram that works for him right it's like yeah, yeah. Uh, can we talk a little bit about like just run quickly run through the pros and cons of working with an agent yes yes um maybe i should have given you this in advance but <laughs> no 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 it's cool it's cool uh the pros of working with an agent are you get to enter a kind of area of the industry that is about commissioned pieces of work and it feels very much like a job you know you get you get to build this relationship with an agent and you and this understanding about um the working world of like contracts and um promotion the types of things an agent can do for you are put you in front of art directors that you wouldn't normally be in front of for example uh an art director that works for an eight design agency that is looking to advertise a shoe for Nike. That art director is also on Instagram, but that art director feels more comfortable going to an illustration agent sometimes than going directly to the artist. And you get to be in that conversation then if you're part of the illustration agency, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 
but that doesn't go that doesn't say that you can't be an art an individual artist on instagram and not be contacted by people directly because i have recently and it works um but the pros of being an agent are the contracts and having a bit more of an understanding about the business for sure cool. uh, there are, there are resources as well the aoi and places like that and like you know there are other places and friends like i call i've got a mate um couple of mates who I call maybe twice a week or once a week sometimes. I have a long conversation with Dan Nash, who's an illustrator. He's a fantastic illustrator that has this grungy Americana style crossed with where he's from, which is Leighton Buzzard, and he's a farmer. So he, like, he basically wow. crosses these two worlds together, and it's this Americana mixed with farm stuff. And he can pick any project. He can pick Black Panther, or he can pick shit what is it or like a sci surreal sci-fi project but they feel like they're in his world which is super cool but anyway i call him once a week for like an hour-long conversation about work and business and the industry that's great and then another mate i call very regularly is Dolly. i don't know if you know Dolly. i think of i feel like he's I've a heard. commercial artist an illustrator does a lot of stuff for marvel and kind of um comic book kind of worlds and things like that and i call him up regularly for client stuff for advice for like hey just tear this drawing apart for me will you like here's a drawing like because we're on that we've got that second hand now where mm. i'll just call him up and he'll be like this is shit work on this work on that and i'm not taking it too personally because i'm like i'm only interested in making the work better so and then he's also good for uh industry stuff so I recently worked with a client that he had worked with previously. So I was like, Hey, so, you know, how has this worked for you? Like, what are the pitfalls? What am I, what am I going into? Um, and he's like, he tells me the, the various things to kind of look out for or watch out for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll be midway through a project on a client that I've worked for and he's worked for. And I, I call him up and be like, so this client is a little, uh, you know, a little bit, bit like this. And he's like, yep, that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> so we're able to kind of, you know, have that pub chat yeah. uh, about certain things, but it's never anything too bad or like, it's, it's more like, um, here's how to handle this situation, you know, the best way you can basically. And again, that's the type of thing an agent can help you with as well when you're on a job. Um, you can have a relationship with an agent um, where they're able to be your therapist a little bit sometimes and be like, Hey, don't worry about this. Like, we'll, you know, we'll get through this bit of the project. This, I know it seems rough right now, but yeah. Um, that's good. That's good. So that's the pros. What yeah. are the cons? The cons are, um, so, we're, so some agencies have this old school uh, way of, um, contracting where they all of the work goes through them um and you you know every job that comes in has to go through your agent and so it works for some people and it works it doesn't work for other people um but a lot of most of the agencies now have contracts where they only take commission on the jobs that they bring in so you're allowed to if a job comes directly to you that you know, that it hasn't gone through the agent, you have the decision to say, I will take this on myself or 
oh, this contract looks a little bit too complicated. I'll give it to my, you know, like you get the freedom to decide in that respect. And um, that is the one, I think that's the one con that I would think of like, um, you know, because you you do the work to find a client and then you then have to hand it over to someone else. Like that, that doesn't seem right, you know. So um, I hope I don't get too much trouble for saying any of this stuff. But <laughs> um, but it's true. It's the truth. You know, I think agencies work for certain people, some people, and they don't work for other people. But like, that would be the major con. Mm. Make sure that you're comfortable with handing over all promotion, all uh, all of that stuff to an agent. Or if you're not, find an agent that is comfortable in keeping it open, keeping yeah. it you know non-exclusive, that kind of thing. Yeah, so they can take control too much. Yeah, yeah. Then there's another downside as well. I don't like talking too negatively about stuff, but <laughs> then sometimes if an agency has a, a kind of person that's doing really well, uh, they tend to kind of go, "Hey, well, this person's doing really well. Right. Maybe you should, you know, lean into some of it." I. I've only heard that secondhand. Like I haven't felt it directly. It's never been something that I've experienced, but that sounds, that doesn't sound too great. So, (laughs) but um, yeah, major con is the uh, promotional thing and the, and yeah, that kind of thing. What about you? What have you thought, do you have agencies within the type of work you do? Are you interested in that kind of thing? Yeah, I guess. What have you learned from people talking to you about agents and stuff? Yeah. Thing. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've definitely learned more from from talking to illustrators. Um, I think it's more um, prominent in the illustration world that they have agents, uh, whereas mm-hmm. in the graphic design world there is there's agencies, but then they tend to be sort of in house, and everyone seems to work in the same office and stuff like they're more like studios. Um, right. Yeah. And, and that's where I sort of I was really confused about the word agency, and then a, like illustration agents and graphic design agents, they all seem to be. Slightly different, but yeah, I'm I'm trying to get my head around the actual term of it. <laughs> get so. your head around it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Design agencies, and then I would just, I always, uh, you know, I'm a big movie guy, so I, I talk about illustration agents as agent. Yes. You know, yeah. And sometimes when I talk to my non-illustrator friends, like oh, I had to, you know, I had a conversation with my agent, and then my friend, he's good, he's a doctor, and he was just like that's like the coolest sentence you've ever said. Like, you know, what, what the fuck, like you have an agent, you know, cause it makes you, it makes it sound like you're in the Hollywood system or whatever. Yes, but like yeah, yeah. the way it helps me is like agent design agency is, you know, the other thing. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to, um, to having an, to having an agent. Uh, it depends what stage you're at as well, I guess, uh, from what I've learned from other people, you know, what, what sort of work you do, like you say, um, there's lots of yeah, there's lots of things. I mean, you just talk to. I'm not the person to talk to about, talk about it really. So, I, and that's why I'm trying to get these people on the podcast so they can talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah. To, if uh, people are listening, they should go and talk to yourself. They should go and talk to Matt. They should go and talk to Freya. Talk to Geo Law. They should talk to all these different people. Absolutely, around. all of which are in different situations, right? Matt is not with an agent. Geo, Freya, they're both with different agents. Yeah, and I'm with a different agent as well. So, like, yeah. Email us, um, see if you can find us at an event, you know, that kind of thing. 
I like talking to people in person, so like I, yeah, you know, I can give I can give them advice in person. But yeah, feel free to email me or message me and stuff, and happy to help always. Awesome. Um, uh, where where can people email you? What's your email address? Oh, I need to look this up. <laughs> Terrible. I'm not good with my really? uh, your email address. I know. Well, I've had wow. two for like I've had two for so long, so I kind of um, wow. yeah, I'm not. Like, <laughs> I just need to think about which one to. All right. To, <laughs> okay, so s.muragaya at icloud.com is an, in my email address. And I'm, my Muragaya is spelled M U R U G I A H. And uh, I want to find my other social media. This is, this is me showing my age now because I'm like, you're only 31. I know, but like, I'm so morbid. I'm like my dad. I'm like, I don't understand. So anyway, Instagram is underscore Muragaya. So underscore M-U-R-U-G-I-A-H. And I think Twitter, Facebook, I don't have a Facebook page, but I'm going to get one. Um, but Twitter and website is all the same. Uh, yeah. Good, good. Um, last couple of questions then. Um, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. So first of all, your best advice, if it was one point you had to get to another uh, advice to another illustrator, and there's one bit of advice, what would it be? Oh, it's the same advice I've been giving for the last year or two, which is um, make the work that you want to make and that you're passionate about, and don't be swayed by anybody else, including agents telling you or anybody telling you that um it's not the right type of work to be making because no one knows <laughs> make the work that you're passionate about and when you're passionate about something other people will see that passion and will be interested in you know working with you because of that you know um because when you put passion into the work the work will end up being good because you're putting your own love and and commitment into it. And yeah. So make the work you, you, you only want to make, um, and promote that. That's the advice. <laughs> uh, what's your best purchase under hundred pounds? Oh, fuck. I knew this question was coming. <laughs> and I've completely forgotten my answer. Um, under a hundred pounds. Oh yeah. I've got it. I've got it. My best purchase is on my desk and it's with me every day. Um, I have to, I have to get hold on to sort it out. But my best purchase, it might have just been a little bit over. Is that allowed? Is that okay? But it's, 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 Mjolnir, it's Mjolnir. It's Thor's, it's Thor's hammer from. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I did a, um, we did a book for the thing, the movie, the thing. We did a coffee table book. And we did a signing at Forbidden Planet right. in London. And Forbidden Planet were like, hey, you know, thanks for doing the signing. You get to, you get to have um, some money off whatever you buy in the shop. And I was like, I went straight to this bad boy because I was like, <laughs> I'm so in love with uh, all the kind of movies, indie movies and comic book movies. But the way comic book movies make you feel after you've come out of a film, they make you feel like a kid again. You know, that it, it takes me right back to watching Star Wars and Aladdin and, and Lion King when I was a kid. And Thor, more than anyone, has that 
feeling when he's on screen. He's like powerful and he's funny and he's, you know, all these kinds of things. So it reminds me to, to be a kid and to have fun basically. Um, and to find the root of like, you know, what you do. Uh, yeah. So it was, it, it is a valuable purchase in that respect. <laughs> what, most, most of the time people say like they're whack on, right? Or they're... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the most extravagant like, like that's the craziest and most unexpected answer i've ever had to that question that's awesome i thought well, that's, that's what i'm here for that's what i'm here for hopefully but so i've been doing this sketch yeah uh, while we've been talking so i wanted to share it with you sure <laughs> it's a little weird i don't really know if you can make it out but um nice it's nice. some kind of guy who's running but he's got these like panels across his chest and then he's got these vines coming out of them and the vines have got weird heads and the leaves are made out of bat wings you, uh, <laughs> why not, right it's experimentation and it's you know uh, that's cool that's cool um all right so the last two questions are a bit deeper uh yeah yeah go for it so first of all what are some good values to live by good values to live by um be nice to people. Don't be a dick, because there are plenty. Of, there are enough. There are enough people who can be annoying and angry. You know, just be nice. Just treat people with treat people with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, that's a good value to live by. Uh, what else? Um, go running. Go running. <laughs> uh, I enjoy running. I love running. Um, I'm a big guy, but I love running. And I've uh, done like a few half marathons. Never, I would never do a full one because that's too much running. But running helps me think, helps me clear my mind. It gives me a clear head. And it, it, I don't know, it just makes you, it pumps your body up to kind of like get on with the rest of your day or whatever. I run home from work. I work, I work in a studio in Forest Hill uh, and I live in Tooting and they're about five miles away from one another and I run home after three days a week and gives me the time to clear my head and kind of, you know, it's the only form of exercise I get, so I need to get it done. But wow. go running and be nice to people. That's... Uh, <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Those, those, are the, those are the, yeah, values to live by. Ah, that's great. Uh, how, how do you want to be remembered as the last question? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a weird question, isn't it? That's a weird question. I'm not, it's not a bad question. It's a weird one. Um, because what are, are you dead after this point? Like, uh, you know? depends how you doesn't it? I mean, like, you can ask yeah. so many different perspectives. Yeah, are you still are you still alive but really old, and people are remembering things you've done in the past? I guess it's sort of like a legacy. That's what I, I was sort of intending. Yeah, it's a good question. It's gone from being a weird question to being a good good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to be remembered by the people in my life who are still around <laughs> after I'm gone as being someone who was uh, quite kind and nice to people, you know, um, friendly. Um, 
I think being nice is a lot more difficult than being a dick <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so easy to jump to aggression and anger than it is to, to support someone and like just, yeah, be a friend to somebody. So, yeah. So that from a personal standpoint, from the work, um, I want to be known for someone who was free thinking um, and a fucking weirdo. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know, I hopefully want to do some work with film. I want to be, I want to create some stuff for films because some of my biggest heroes in illustration and, and creativity are people like Mobius mm. and Geiger, Giga, however you say his name. But Giga was making his own work, his weird, crazy, steampunk type, random pornographic type of work. And then Ridley Scott goes, can you make me an alien? And he's like, yeah, sure. And that became the alien, you know? Um, Mobius, again, was doing his own thing, making cowboy comic books. And at the same time, you know, under the name Jean Giraud, or Jean, I'm butchering these names, by the way, just, you know, but and then also making weird sci-fi worlds of his own. And then Ridley Scott, I think, uh, said, can you help me with Blade Runner? I want to say he helped him with Blade Runner, but he also helped, um, who's the guy that directed The Fifth Element? Uh, I've got my Maybe, I don't know. But either way, Mobius is responsible for a lot of stuff like around The Fifth Element and uh, sci-fi movies of that time. But anyway, that kind of stuff, you know, where you're like, well, there's a guy that's doing it right now, uh, Jock. I don't know if you know the illustrator, Jock. Uh, he's an artist that, he's a comic book illustrator. He does comic book covers and he does Mondo movie posters, but he's also a concept artist. I think he worked on The Last Jedi. I think he worked on Annihilation, Ex Machina, um, behind the scenes, like all this crazy stuff that, yeah. so. That kind of thing that'd be cool uh to work in with, with film you know to be associated with a film project of some kind that would be cool yeah yeah nice one <laughs> i hope i've answered those correct those quick questions eloquently i tend to ramble for a long time hey, that's what the podcast is all about the creative <laughs> yeah it totally is this is another reason i wanted to be on because i could just waffle on for, for bloody ages um i hope i haven't bored anyone uh and bored yourself i, I know i've woken you up but uh, <laughs> no that's great it's good um yeah uh one last thing where, where can people find you again on social media just just a little reminder yeah so underscore muragaya on instagram um I, I think it's the same on twitter but just find just type the word muragaya into your google search engine and you'll be able to see lots of sri lankan dudes like old sri lankan dudes but then me <laughs> you'll be able to find my work through within all of that um yeah, M-U-R-U-G-I-A-H is, uh, and I've got, so Post Aspire releasing a film, a little um, Beyond the Profile, it's called, cool. where I talk a bit more about myself, and then Adobe are releasing a film, um, I think it's under the banner called Making It, and uh, again, it's, it's, it's my, um, what, what I'm up to now and what I'm going to be doing next with the type of work I'm making, so that's very exciting. Brilliant. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. I'll, um, cool. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and share them when they're out and everything. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. This is amazing. This is really good. Thank you very much for watching or listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have, it would mean the world if you could subscribe to YouTube channel. We're nearly a thousand subscribers. I think we're about four away. If you're listening on iTunes, please do leave a review. It does help the podcast to grow and more people to find it. And you can find us on social media at Creative Waffle or at CW Podcast on Twitter. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll see you next Monday for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast.